Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Going to have a good conversation today about one of the... I don't want to say largest, but one of the most talked about, most thought about, most routinely discussed health metrics that we have in our current system. Uh, And last week we did an episode uh, around blood pressure and fasting. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to be talking about cholesterol and this this question or conversation, and we thought it would be uh, impactful to have a conversation around came up from one of our challengers who had asked in our continuity group, who asked about the fact that their numbers were elevated after they went and got routine blood work at the doctor's office, which is the Mm. complete opposite of why they joined the fasting continuity group and started fasting. And they lost a bunch of weight and they're seeing all these improvements, but they're like, wait a minute, what happened? Like now they went into freak out mode and there was concerns there and whatnot. So we, we wanted to make sure we had a very ro- a robust conversation around this. So um, we should probably share first what happened in that situation. And then we'll talk a little bit about cholesterol, what our recommendations are if you are living the fasting lifestyle and how you should lead up to going to have some routine blood work done or blood work done for life insurance, right? Or mm-hmm. for the healthcare premiums at work through your job, et cetera. And yeah. then we're actually going to shed some potential light or some shade on the system that we currently have and put some food for thought out there in terms of some indications that maybe we're doing some things wrong when it comes to cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And there's also some really good long-term benefits with fasting related to healthy cholesterol numbers. Yeah, there absolutely is. And uh, I thought it was interesting where this conversation came from, um, because like you alluded to, um, it can almost feel counterintuitive where you get a recommendation potentially for uh, a fast for 12 hours, maybe um, before you go into to blood work to get, you know, a physical or, or yeah, standard operating procedure. Right. Yeah. And, and so it, that can feel like if you've been fasting for a little while and you go, well, 12 hours, like that's child's play, right? Like I can do better than that. And so it can almost be like, uh, if I do more, more has got to be better, right? That's kind of where the thought process. I comes really from. want my numbers to be good. Yeah. Like I really want them to be great. So yeah, I'm going to do 50 hours. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I know how to do that. I can do that. So let me, let me uh, outpace the competition, right? Like uh, I'm going to, I'm going to game the test. So, so, but, but coming from that, we can have counterintuitively, we can, we can actually make the numbers, we can throw the numbers off at, at least in the short term. Right. And that's what we're going to, we're going to kind of dive into. Yeah. And that's what the situation happened was, Hey, and this happened a few times. And that's why we, we, you know, we go over this, um, in all of our challenges that we do. It's in some of our emails that you guys get, if you're on our email list. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's something that we talk about because a lot of people want to lose weight because they know 
it's better for their health, right? So um, looking at the current state of the United States, uh, you know, 50% obesity, we're approaching that number by 2030. Right now we're at 42 to 43%. 75% of the population is overweight. We know that carrying that extra weight around with us has long-term um, detrimental health effects on it. And one of those things can be heart, cholesterol, blood pressure, those types of things. So yeah. um, most people come to fasting because they want to lose weight and they've struggled with the other programs they've tried and dieting mentality in the 20 years of the yo-yo diet regain train yep. um, kind of experience. And fasting is like, all right, well, cool. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know kind of how we apply fasting into our life and we want to break it down into some research, but most importantly, some actionable things and and some education along the way and kind of push the status quo a little bit. But mm-hmm. when we're looking at these few situations where people came back and said, yeah, I, I did longer fast. Well, in the short term, um, that is going to make your numbers look worse and then we're going to actually put some question into, should we be fasting before we do our blood work anyway? Mm-hmm. And there's another kind of nuance level into that as well. So Tommy, I want to start with the basic outline of um, what happens, what happens specifically when you fast longer fast before you go into your blood work. And to begin that conversation, I want you to know that fasting in the long term the benefits of fasting in the long term when it when it relates to cholesterol. And we get these messages all the time. And I've seen it in my own blood work. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get um uh you know the second from the top tier level uh you know health oh, for your rating class. Yeah. Yeah, for my rating class for my for my life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Um so just shared some really private information there, but I'm I'm <laughs> proud of that because I never yeah. used to be there, right? right? So one time they came to do uh, and at home, you know, physical and they drew blood and whatnot. And the guy yeah. walked in, he goes, Oh, uh Oh, he's like, do you have any <laughs> cowboy boots or anything you can put on? I was like, yeah. He's like, good. We need to make you a little taller. Cause at that little point taller, I was, yeah. I was like two forty, probably like pretty, like still mm-hmm. in the powerlifting heavy CrossFit days. Right. So, and I had a tank top on, he looked at me, he was like, yeah, that's not going to be good for your rating. So <laughs> it's almost like we need to fit in this box. So back to the reason why this conversation and we thought it would be beneficial is Long-term, you should see a decrease in your triglycerides, a decrease in your LDL, and a potential slight increase in your HDL, but a healthier cholesterol ratio overall when you adopt the fasting lifestyle long-term, which is the opposite of what happened with these people that did longer fast going into the blood work. Yeah, focus on the the long-term benefits there. And like as the as the weight comes off, the inflammatory factors come down and and rebalancing kind of takes place over the long term. But short-term fluctuations, especially um doing some longer fasts in there, or if you get blood work right at the at the perfect wrong time during, you know, right after a longer fast while the especially while the weight's still on right? Like, especially towards the beginning of your fasting journey, or before you've kind of figured out what what kind of rhythm works for you, uh, your numbers could could appear significantly off. And so sometimes we have to, to remember that long term perspective, right? And this happened to me once when I was doing intermittent fasting and keto, and we we're doing a challenge in the clinic, mm-hmm. I think we had like 40 yeah. or 50 people going on in the challenge. And I happened to have some blood work done um, during that challenge. And my triglycerides were like 900. And my wife was like, what are you? 
are you getting pizza like every afternoon or fast uh, yeah. food? Are you, are you, are, are you, you injecting triglycerides? Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you drinking? Like, are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, right. I'm, I'm actually down 12 pounds and this is great. And my energy's up and my sleep was still crap back then. But yeah. so I didn't know that back then, you know, this was years and years ago. Um, but for overall perspective, when you, um, break into your fat stores and your body starts burning fat, those get broken up into cholesterol and triglycerides. And the triglycerides are actually able to be used for energy sources. So those will eventually get burned down, burned off and used mm -hmm. as energy for the cells. But the cholesterol itself is not used as energy. Cholesterol is used for hormones creation. So testosterone, estrogen, cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Yeah. It's made up of your cell membranes. And this is something you said earlier, Tommy. It's also one of the first things that's released from the liver when, or made in the body, I should say, when you have damage or an injury. So like when you mm. sprain your ankle, your body sends cholesterol to that area to help repair and insulate and allow those cells to, to kind of repair from the injury. So yeah. chronic inflammation is something we're going to be talking about. And it, the interesting thing is your body makes about 3000 milligrams of cholesterol a day. So the dietary guidelines for Americans, you know, the recommendation of consuming less than 300 milligrams of cholesterol per day, um, even though there was lack of evidence for that, that's been removed. So one thing we want to learn is that your body is in balance. So the more cholesterol you eat, the less your body makes. Mm -hmm. And the less you eat, the more your body makes. But it's not exactly a 50-50 split. So that's right. meaning like endogenous versus exogenous. So the stuff, the exogenous cholesterol is the cholesterol that comes from our diet, known as dietary cholesterol. And the endogenous cholesterol is the cholesterol that we produce in our body. The cholesterol that you see on a blood test is the balance between those two things. Mm. So you can't have one without the other. And what a lot of people worry about is the food, the, the dietary type cholesterol, right? The right. stuff that's coming in. Um, and so when you're eating more, your body produces less, right? But yeah. the outside cholesterol does not influence the total blood cholesterol all that much. It's a very small piece of that balance, right? Yeah. So we worry about, and this is where I think the fasting lifestyle comes into play too, because it reduces the amount of opportunities you have for consumption and making those bad dietary changes and giving into those cravings because your hormones are out of balance. So, mm -hmm. you know, things you want to look at are, you know, saturated fat intake, body fat percentage, physical, act physical activity, lean muscle mass, those types of things. Yeah. But more importantly with fasting is, you know, Yes, in the short term, we're breaking down those fat molecules and causing more triglycerides and more cholesterol to be pr produced. Right. But in the long term benefit, getting that weight off is way more important. Yeah. So just understanding that the process of tapping into those long term fat stores breaks it down and actually raises some of those levels that are, are going to look bad. Like they, they might look like, oh my gosh, like why are my numbers up? Right. Like if you get your, your blood work back and you're, you're reviewing it. Um, but at the same time, you've been going through the process and like that, that's deliberately doing just that, at least in the short term. But, um, you know, like think of those extra pounds, that long-term fat store as inflammation, like the, the body doesn't want to hold on to, to excess fat. Like we have, we have basically like infinite ability to store more fat, but that doesn't mean it wants to do it. That's a, that's an inflammatory state. Your, your, your body's throwing off red flags all the while. Yeah. And so again, chronic low level inflammation can cause increases in cholesterol production because that's your body's natural mm -hmm. process. So we always come back to that concept of balance and the long-term health metric. Um, and looking at 
before we get into the portion of today's conversation that is going to be more of kind of questioning the status quo and whether or not we are indeed doing this right. Mm -hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, there's a a piece of research that that we've come across recently, and I didn't learn about this until in the last few months. And this is not something that your doctor is probably going to know about unless they really, really specialize in, you know, congestive heart failure, cardio, cardiovascular disease, but more from a holistic standpoint, not the standard operating kind of medical procedure standpoint or medical system standpoint, excuse me. And that's not to say that, you know, the doctors and the people that you have in, in, in your, on your team right now, so to speak, are bad people. It's just that they might be operating in a construct that they, they don't know is not absolutely accurate. And I'm going to say a few things here that might kind of push the status quo a little bit. Um, And one of these conversations that's newer is this concept of remnant cholesterol. And a few things to know overall about cholesterol is it is a minor player in heart disease, which is a misconception because you said, Mm -hmm. Tommy, that people get afraid of these numbers, right? Yeah. I'm going to do 54 hours because 12 hours fasting is better. Well, no, no, no. So before you go into blood work, if we haven't said this already, is give yourself a few days of more of an intermittent window. Mm -hmm. Have a few smaller meals and a couple of snacks in between. I wouldn't go that far unless you're new to (laughs) fasting, but maybe a maybe two meals and you know something else in between. Um, Limiting the alcohol, limiting the complex processed carbohydrates, those types of things. But that's again something you can do proactively. Um, Cholesterol is a minor player in heart disease. Cholesterol levels are a poor predictor of heart attacks. Half the people with heart disease have normal cholesterol. Mm. Half the people with elevated cholesterol have healthy hearts. And lowering cholesterol has limited benefits. Mm. And you asked me a question, Tommy. So where do you think this came from? And I'm not going to go down the conversation of, you know, um, conspiracy theories or or heresy or like these <laughs> random flying off the, the, the thoughts, you know, right. flying off the top of the head thoughts. But there is research, and we're going to share some stuff with you guys here from Harvard in a minute, that actually came out of Europe, not surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. But when the National Cholesterol Education Program lowered the optimal cholesterol levels in 2004, eight out of nine of those people had financial ties to the pharmaceutical industry. Mm-hmm. And we're so one of two countries on the planet, right, Tommy? Yeah, one of two countries on the planet that you can actually directly advertise pharmaceuticals to consumers. Right. And yeah, uh, yeah, there's, there's, there's some fundamental things, you know, um, fundamental issues uh, there with, with that system. And, you know, so like you said, it's not surprising that, that in other parts of the world, they're, they're, they're seeing um, that, that we might be focused on some of the wrong things here when we're we're looking at blood work and, and health metrics and things like that. Yeah, and actually, a good example. So, um, an example of exactly that in Japan, in 2007, the Japan Atherosclerosis Society stopped using any tables related to the diagnosis or treatment criteria in its guidelines in regards to total cholesterol numbers. Mm. It completely wow. removed it. Now, if you look at the city of Okinawa, I mean, there's thousands of people that have lived to 100, right? Yeah, like they have right. less heart disease, way less heart disease than we do. So, yeah. good perspective. Clearly, they're doing point. something right. 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 So here's where we get into um, a little bit of expanding our knowledge and expanding the framework that we can stand on that we know 
that what we're doing is right for us in terms of getting healthy. And the fact that a short-term rise in cholesterol is, in our opinion, not necessarily a bad thing because the benefit of getting the weight off, decreasing that inflammation and allowing the body to balance naturally without the having to use medications, there's a time and place for all of that. But that's what, where the conversation of the remnant cholesterol comes in. And this is a simple calculation that you can do. And remnant cholesterol is defined by total cholesterol minus your LDL minus your HDL. And I'm not going to use the, the words good or bad because um, cholesterol is all necessary, right? Um, right? But that remnant cholesterol is a much better indicator and you want that to be, there's a study out there and we'll, it's in the show notes. You want that to be lower than 15.5 milligrams per deciliter and anything really between 15 and 27 shows a very slight increased risk of having cardiovascular issues. Mm -hmm. So it's not total cholesterol. It's not LDL. It's not necessarily the ratio it's in Japan. It's not any of it. <laughs> They've removed all of the charts. Yeah. It's um, this, this piece of remnant cholesterol and its relative risk to heart disease. So long-term benefit of fasting, once again, is that you're going to allow your body to balance, you're going to get the weight off, and you're going to adopt a lifestyle that is going to allow you to keep the weight off. So you never end up with that increased risk or feeling like you need to fit into the puzzle. Yeah, I mean, uh, and, and that's, that's part of the issue here is that, you know, fasting in and of itself, when you when you start, it can feel like you're, you're going a little bit against the grain. But you know, what if yeah, you've already, yeah, you've already swallowed the red pill, right? Yeah. Like you're already, you're already the outlier, like the person that won't talk to you at the cocktail party. Cause they know you right. don't eat, right? Like you're already the weirdo. <laughs> Can I just say it? Yeah. You're the weirdo, right? So what, what's, what's one more uh, weird feather in your cap? What's one more like little, little badge of honor uh, in your fasting lifestyle is kind of looking at your, your blood work or your markers, just a little bit different way with a little different perspective right? Or maybe like zooming out a little bit for at, at least to pause it for the long-term benefits and give it a chance to kind of rebalance. Hey, y'all wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, and now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He's our third child. And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing and the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors, and we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money, and they have not 
done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up, but it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day Breathe Easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code FASTINGFORLIFE. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the Fasting for Life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, and so... I want to make sure that we land the plane with, with an actionable take-home message here. And the mm-hmm. conversation, again, started with somebody doing extended fasting going into blood work, right? The recommended yeah. amount of fast. So whenever we have somebody ask about, oh, I have a surgery coming up, and I can speak to that because I've had one within the last 12 months on my arm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I have an infection. Oh, I have this medication. Oh, like, okay, do what is recommended for that situation. If you need to take an antibiotic, take an antibiotic, but know that your blood sugar levels are going to go through the roof. If you need to take a steroid, know that your blood sugar levels can go through the roof and that it can increase Mm -hmm. cravings. Like, so we always say, do what is pertinent to the situation in that moment for the individual, not giving medical advice. Right. So do what you got to do. So if it's a 12 hour fast, then do a 12 hour fast leading up into the blood work. Give yourself a few days of more of an open window couple small meals, maybe a four or six hour eating window. And that will decrease your fat cells being dumped into triglycerides and cholesterol levels that you'll see, you know, over a 72 hour, three to five day kind of time period leading up to the test. But here's where we push the envelope a little bit more. And Tommy, there's a couple of really good quotes um, out of this article out of Harvard Health Publishing or Harvard Medical School, where it says farewell to the fasting cholesterol test. Mm. And this was written uh, by one of the MDs. And it, this was the the takeaway here. We'll get to in a second, but this came out of international guidelines that were published in the European Heart Health Journal. And it had to do with the fact that maybe we're actually doing this whole cholesterol testing thing wrong. And you brought up a good point, you know, going in one time and having a high number can cause fear and can cause trepidation and can cause mm-hmm. like, Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up where my mom and dad were. Or, oh no, I'm going to have to take a medication. Right. 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 And the reality right. is, is that that's a snapshot, right? So it's, if you've had yeah. a test and you've done the fasting wrong leading up to it, then go have your blood test run, you know, in three months. Right. And if your doc says, well, no, we're not going to do that. Then I'm going to encourage you to find someone and that is willing to work with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that knee jerk reaction, especially if you have like a family history that you're concerned right. with or something else like that, like you could go Which in and all see valid. that snapshot. Yeah. Um, it, but you know, just, just doing that, that 54 hour fast versus the recommended 12 hour fast. Like uh, an important thing to remember is that they make that recommendation for a reason, like the baseline parameters were set 
from people that they studied doing those 12 hour fasts. So when you start to go way outside of the guidelines for the same tests that they've run on hundreds of thousands of people, you're going to start to have very potentially different processes happening within the body. And, and that could be, you know, just a big red flag. You could look like a big outlier and the knee jerk reaction might be, well, let's, let's put some medicine to that. Right. Which, which may not even address what's going on or there, uh, there, there might not be a problem to solve yet. Right. And it's, so it's not just you're fitting within the box, right? Like that's why we, we love the fasting for life approach because it each one, each and every one of you has a little different preference on the foods you eat and Mm -hmm. a little different way that you like to rotate your fasting schedules and the things you like to do on the weekends and your activity levels and your relationships Mm -hmm. and God knows everything else that falls in between. So a couple of cool things that came out of this article was, and these, I'm just going to read the quotes. This is a segment I like to call reading guidelines for lipid panels have evolved over the past decade, supported by evidence from studies involving hundreds of thousands of people. Most recommendations now support non-fasting cholesterol tests for routine testing. Oh, wow. And the reason is because the populations we're studying typically eat two to three meals a day plus snacks, Never mind the Starbucks frappuccinos, right? And it goes on to say, in fact, post-meal measures are thought to strengthen the ability of lipid levels to predict cardiovascular risk. Because right now we know Mm. that is a low correlation, right? This observation may stem from the fact that most people eat several meals, et cetera. So hold on, hold on. There's one more thought in there. That means we spend most of our time in a fed state, not a fasting state. And so lipid levels after eating may best reflect our normal physiology right there. So it it might be the, the body's reaction to the foods and to the intake of cholesterol and other macro and macronutrients that we need to be looking at not what we're, what our body's doing at a baseline non-fed state, right? Like how well are we reacting to the influx of food? So the insulin index, we have an episode on it, the insulin food index, the way your body responds to food in terms of insulin response, right? Mm. Which is the on and off switch with fat burning. So what you just, what we just uncovered here is And you said it, that means we spend most of our time in a fed state, not a fasting state. So if you're going into a blood work with an extended fasting state, you're actually pushing yourself way past Mm -hmm. the normal state of physiology, which best reflects our normal physiology, which is what our body does with the food after we eat, which is why we focus on the insulin index of food and not necessarily the glycemic index or the glycemic load. A steak can spike insulin just as much as a carbohydrate. Right. So we are actually in a place now where you're trying to do something great. You've been fasting. You're like, oh, 12 hours is good. I'm going to go to 54. You go in. Now you're actually, you know, future pacing. Like, And part of this article says, is this an end to the dreaded overnight fast? Because for most people, like you mentioned in the beginning, 12 hours, you're like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? The dreaded overnight (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the dreaded overnight fast, right? So some fasting lipid tests will remain necessary, especially in people with very high triglycerides. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are still reasons uh, for that. But what we're trying to do is piece together a long-term plan here uh, and, and give you guys the tools so that you're ready to be able to have the conversations to know that what you're doing is right um, and give take off some of the pressure when it comes to, um, you know, things like these health metrics that are so heavily relied upon 
um, in our day-to-day health journey. So um, I love the conversation. I love these types of conversations, Tommy, because yeah. uh, for me, this is where the veil was kind of uh, removed as, as a young, if you go back and listen, if you haven't listened to the beginning of our stories, my journey with health issues started as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to think outside of the box and, okay, well, if, if I'm doing what everybody else is doing and it's not working, well, wait a minute, what, what's, what's the problem here? So let's dive into yeah, it. Let's talk missing? about it a little bit more. Um, and I just love that fasting can fit so many different lifestyles, different food choices, different ways of living, and you can still get those long-term benefits, especially in, in terms of cholesterol, reducing your triglycerides balancing, I'm not going to say reducing cholesterol, but balancing your cholesterol and potentially seeing improvements in those ratios as well as the HDL. Yeah. It's like thinking about the the body working at its optimum efficiency, it's optimum processing for, for all of these things. And and it does that when, when those inflammatory markers are down, when there's balance, when it's not having to worry about 10 or 20 or, or a hundred extra pounds of, of long-term fat that it's been carrying around for years and years and years. That's, that's been throwing out all these false hormonal signals and, and increasing, you know, numbers and throwing them off on the blood work and then uh, causing the need for more insulin to come out. Every time I do eat uh, more insulin's having to come out, right. It's like, it, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. And if we can, if we can just, just focus on, on the issue there. And, and if, if you're having trouble, you know, actually like getting the weight off, then it might be time to just to, to push some boundaries, to create some, some new boundaries. It might be time to you know, refocus on, on your timer, or maybe, maybe push to, to a little bit more of an extended fast than what you've been doing. Or if you've been doing more of like a 16, eight or a 20 slash four, maybe it's time to go to OMAD. And, you know, we have a resource for that, um, on, on the webpage, you know, go to the fastingforlife.com, go to the resource page. There's a few uh, resources in there. Check out the insulin assessment. If you still don't feel like you can, you can kind of, you know, get a handle on it and, um, you know, use the tools and, and, and push your boundaries a little bit and watch things, you know, start to come into balance. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't echo that sentiment more. If you guys are new, go back and listen to the original episodes. We appreciate all of your comments, questions, the reaching the all of y'all that reach out to us with questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, we really appreciate five star reviews. You know, those are our favorite. Absolutely. That tells the podcast, the the people that control the podcast platforms that we're doing good work. Um, and we just absolutely uh, want to continue to bring you uh, actionable things that can really, you know, create that long term. Uh, health outcome that we're all looking for. We may be on different journeys, but all heading in the similar direction. So Mm. Tommy, great conversation today. I know we've been thinking of talking about doing blood pressure and cholesterol related episodes for quite some time. So we're Mm. here, we've done it. Hopefully you guys find some valuable outcomes in it. Appreciate the conversation, sir. And we will talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life. 